0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown Podcast, a rewatch podcast for the amazing TV show Mad Men.
1: My name is Helen Varley.
0: And my name is Fola Olokumbi.
1: This week we'll be looking at season one, episode seven, entitled Red in the Face.
0: In this episode, Roger hits on Betty, Pete gets a toy gun, and Don gets his revenge on Roger by taking him on a date. Helen, what did you think of this?
1: So, what did I think of the episode? I yes. thought. I mean, it's it's like the shame, isn't it? It's like the episode of shame. They're all so shameful and it guilty. Is, I guess and, it is, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of like There's a lot of stuff in there, you know, and I don't, unlike Fola, I do no reading and I try and like (laughs) draw on my own conclusion. And I got to the end of this and I was kind of like, what does it all mean? And, you know, I feel like I'm going to take a wild guess and say there's going to be, you're going to have some theory about the fact that at the beginning of the episode.
0: Yeah.
1: Roger is having milk with vodka in it. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, he's spewing vodka and j- cheesecake
0: uh, you know what i didn't notice that oh.
1: cycle of life innit?
0: well i feel i feel like yeah so the cheesecake well i'm not going to go into it yet but like just just to address that i feel like the um the milk is important at the beginning um and yeah it does come up in the in the final thing when they're they're eating and 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 um, Don says he doesn't like milk. Um, I mean, is it
1: as simple as what goes in must come out? No. What? (laughs) Come on. No, it is. Because it's like, you know, everyone does things that are bad and eventually they come out and it comes out for all of them in some form or another.
0: Well, yeah, I guess. Um, The reason I said no is because... Yeah, that's that's a reading. But I think... (laughs) it is a reading no no, so okay so maybe maybe on some level it is that is what it is what do you think of the title as well
1: well red in the face you know if this was catchphrase or something i'd be like embarrassed shame i don't know that's not catchphrase is it but you get what i'm saying i mean i think there's a lot of what does red red in the face red in the face is embarrassed red in the faces anger red in the Mm. faces it's like could be a number of things
0: And there's a lot of that going on in this episode. There is,
1: yeah. Um,
0: And also, when we get ashamed or embarrassed um, or even angry, we might try to repress those feelings. I think that's what the main point of the episode is. But then there's also this other thing called Lacanian theory, which we're going to get into (laughs) as we go. (laughs) It starts off with Roger talking to the therapist... And he um, basically just with saying
1: Don, that with Don talking to the
0: therapist. With Don talking to the therapist, it's like it's almost like Roger and Don are the same person. Anyway, mm. um, it's so we get Don talking to the therapist, and um, Don is basically, and the therapist is telling Don that um, Betty acts like a child and uh, she's very immature, and uh, she, um the, the only way to sort of get to the, get to the um the point of a problem um is by talk and time, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and what did you think of that? You, I don't think there's much to say about this, to be honest with you. No, I, think,
1: I mean, I think it's, first of all, awful that Betty has the, possibly the worst shrink in New York City. Oh, um, well, yeah. And I think... And husband. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, any anyone's husband would want to know what they talk about during therapy, wouldn't they? Um, they would,
0: but they probably wouldn't you know, <laughs> phone but at the therapist and say, what's going on?
1: I think what's really interesting is, is Betty is going to see the psychiatrist because she has feelings of anxiety. Um, yep. And the fact that he sort of brings up the death of her mother, which we've seen, we've sort of talked about in a couple of other episodes. Yep. And and he says that was the beginning of her, her almost reverting to being a child and again like later on in the episode don don says something like she wasn't always like that or it might have been on the same phone call you know she wasn't always like this and it's like well i mean
0: you
1: know i i like betty she's all right and i feel like she's just sort of really just kind of a a normal person who's you know I, i i don't think that she is especially childlike let's come back to that i think
0: Okay. Um one thing I want to sort of say that I haven't said as well. Another thing this episode is about. So there's a bunch of themes that this episode has, right? There's loads of them. Um and I think I mentioned repression as one of them. I think I re- I mentioned Lacanian theory as another one. Uh another one and a quite a big one through the whole thing is defense mechanisms. Oh yeah. And um, so I think there's a defense mechanism in there where the death of a parent is quite destabilizing in the beginning. Um, And that kind of, it's almost like that's what we're sort of dealing with here is this her sort of trying to deal with the death of a parent. But we get into more of that later on. Oh, and the petty jealousies and things things like that. So that's one of the ways that... um, people one of the defense mechanisms people have there's um in fact i'm going to read a couple of them out so there's displacement projection rationalization reaction formation regression repression sublimation uh disassociation and intellectualization compensation and denial right (laughs) and we'll through the for the rest of the episode we'll kind of like encounter all these um but i think we should just get into the first scene with um with roger Okay. Okay, so the next thing we see is Roger mixing his milk and his vodka, saying goodbye to his wife Mona. Uh, what do you think of this?
1: Um, to be honest, I don't really remember anything other than feeling horror that someone would mix milk and vodka. <laughs> um, so I d- I, d- I don't really remember. Like I mean, considering I only watched this like yesterday.
0: Right, okay. <laughs>
1: It's sort of, you know, is this the bit where basically he's um, he's telling or she's telling him she won't be back until Sunday or something yes, like that? Yes. Yes.
0: And then Bert yeah. comes. Bert comes in and tells him the smoking story.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, that's such a good story as well. So I love, I love Cooper. Can I just say, he's like, <laughs> he's like my favourite part. He's like this old man who just sits in the room and sort of like has all these great stories. He's just brilliant.
0: <laughs> so this scene for me, so like, so confusing this whole show. Um, this scene for me starts off and the whole thing is, uh, we've got Roger and Roger's talking and and, and Bert, Well, first of all, Roger's talking to his wife. And his wife can't be there and he's drinking milk, which kind of, to me, signifies almost like a child kind of, you know, it's like a child thing. Babies drink milk and he's talking to his wife and his wife's not going to be there. So it's almost like this idea of a baby not being there, Uh, a baby's mother not being there. So the kid's kind of on his own and, uh, and kind of left to his own devices. Right. Right. Um, and also on top of that, we've also got Bert, who comes in and tells Roger this story. And he's, R- Bert is very kind of fatherly to, um, to, to 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 Roger. He's kind of like um, trying to tell him about the world and sort of look after him and stuff. And he tells him this story about um, this guy I can't remember his name um, who basically had some had something that had something that Hitler wanted. And the way Hitler got it from him was to lock off his cigarettes, um, and that way he, like Hitler, would he, the guy would give Hitler anything he wanted, right? Mm. And Roger's answer to the story is because um, you know Bert's telling him to, to get him to stop smoking, and Roger's answer to it is um, all I heard is that um, Hitler smokes, and I don't. Uh, Hitler doesn't smoke, and I do. Um, And it's kind of like, so that's, that's the first sort of instance of uh, defense mechanism that we get in this episode, right? Is um, it's, uh, it's the intellectualization or even it's the uh, rationalization of Roger smoking, smoking cigarettes. So he says he smokes cigarettes and it's okay because Hitler didn't smoke cigarettes. So that makes him a good person because Hitler was so bad. Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense.
0: Right, okay, so that that's that's the easy part out of the way. Cause, like, the next scene is in the office. Uh, everyone's leaving. And um, Roger approaches Joan to sort of suggest uh, some kind of hijinks over the weekend. What do you think of this episode? Oh,
1: this Joan. Song, <laughs> Joan, you know, there wasn't enough Joan in this episode for me. Um, there wasn't. There wasn't enough. No, I, you know, I can't believe, like, did her housemate always work at sterling cooper
0: <laughs> i don't think she'd i don't i didn't think she did i thought that she'd just come over because oh did wasn't she just it's, come over like the way it's the end of the day yeah no, you're, right, the, you're right you're right yes yeah, so they um yeah she she, he, she um joan sort of introduces her to roger and um and then then roger moves her away and sort of talks to her um yeah because yeah. he's not getting
1: what he wants he's being like he's... i love joan in this because she's so like you gave me a fucking bird in the last episode <laughs> so i'm mad at you and i'm therefore <laughs> gonna go for a weekend away with my housemate and party and you're gonna stay here all on your own
0: she is mad with him isn't she oh she's fuming <laughs> um yeah so this is kind of so what i want to also want to point out is basically what we've had is we've we've had Um, Roger kind of get turned down by his um, by his wife his wife's not around so the next thing he does is he goes over to um, Joan and he tries to kind of get some attention from her and she turns him down as well so this is like the second time he's been turned down this is like remember when I was talking remember when we talked in the well we talked in the recap of the first episode and I was talking about the the pleasure principle and the reality principle Sure. <laughs> All right. Even though I, I'm sure you remember everything I said, um, I'll go over it slightly again. So the the, rea- the pleasure principle is that thing when you're a baby and you want what you want and you want it now and you're going to have it now and there's nothing stopping you because you're a baby. So it usually gets given to you. But as you grow up, you get, you get used to the fact that when you want something, you can't have it straight away. So you have to do something else to get what you actually want right right so that's the reality principle so in effect what's happening here is the um we're seeing the the pleasure principle and the reality principle play out so uh, don can't get what he wants from his wife because she's not around so he goes to his to roger his on the, to god roger <laughs> roger can't get what he wants so he so he goes so he goes to he goes to Joan he's been on the side and she won't give him what he wants so now he's in this um reality principle thing where he has to kind of um he has to employ the life drive or even Eros uh to kind of like keep his mind ticking along while he's while there's like while he hasn't got access to this kind of thing that he wants right does that make sense
1: yeah, I mean he's got he's got an issue of being on his own, hasn't he? The poor lamb. He I mean does. you know, <laughs> he's sort of he's sort of first of all he's really excited because his wife's away or whatever and he's like, Right, nice weekend with my girlfriend. She doesn't want nothing to do with him, so he's like, Right, yeah. best weekend with my best friend.
0: So yeah, <laughs> so he goes up to he goes up to uh, he goes up to Don and um Don's uh, Don is talking to Peggy about um he doesn't want Peggy to stay overnight so that then they'll have to, then she'll end up taking money from the company and, and like, you know, she'll sleep in, she'll sleep in the office and all that kind of stuff. He's, like, really worried about the, the effect of her sleeping um, or staying late in the office, right? Mm. Um, and again, this is like, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I feel like this whole episode is basically a train re- chain reaction of things. So the first part of the chain reaction is um, Roger, Roger's wife not being around. The next part is um, Joan not wanting to go out with him. The next part is him meeting up with um, Don, who in this, in, in the metaphorical sense, in the Laconian sense, is Roger's mirror image. (laughs) Right. Um, And, like, so this is a a weird thing that um, Jacques Lacan came up with. um, And it's called the mirror phase of a baby. It's like... This is really hard to describe. But basically, when when you're a baby... Right. This is is really, really complicated. I can't stress how complicated this is. Okay. When you're a baby, like, you don't have a concept of yourself as a thing, right? You only have... You only exist in the world and there's lots of things around you, right? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. So you like, let's say a sofa is a thing, uh, a jumper is a thing, um, a dustbin is a thing. These are all things that you can see and and they don't have any desires of their own. They're just a thing that exists in the world, right? And you are a thing also, but you don't really notice that. All you All you know about yourself is that you desire, you want things, right? Yeah. As as an entity, um, and then one day, as a baby, you're just playing, and you see a mirror, and you see yourself, right? And Aye. this is like this is this like look, uh, Jacques Lacan like said this is like a, a traumatic event in a person's life, because for the first time in their life, they see themselves as a thing, but they know that they're not a thing. They know that they have desire, and so what happens then is as a person you start to desire you almost desire yourself you almost desire this thing in the mirror is something that you put all these like you want certain things from this thing in the mirror you want um, you, you want it to look in a certain way you want it to sort of fit in with the world you want people to um, recognize it you want something for you as a person you now recognize yourself as an object that other people are going to desire right anyway (laughs) what that basically boils down to is that you constantly from that point from that moment on you're going to want something to make yourself to make yourself live up to your idea of yourself (laughs) doesn't make any sense does it It,
1: no it no i actually (laughs) think it really does make sense
0: okay okay um
1: I think, I think it's, it's, you know, I mean, when you said that the immediate thing I thought was when I look in the mirror, I would like to be thinner.
0: Um, right. Okay.
1: But, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I can't, I mean, obviously none of us can remember the first time we saw ourselves in no. a mirror, but I think there must be some sort of process that goes on in your brain that, that makes you understand that that thing is you. Yeah. Um, totally. So, and, you know, I think absolutely, like, when you look in the mirror, what are you really looking at? I mean, this this is getting very philosophical now. But, <laughs> you know, I think absolutely. And you look... But when you look at other people, I think you also look for the things that, you know, that, that well, are similar well, to you or very different from you or the things that you really like. And then there are exactly. the things that you really don't like. In this case, Pete Campbell. <laughs>
0: because But because, because you're always... Um because you're comparing yourself to other people, but you're comparing to other selves. You're not comparing yourself to other people. You're comparing that person in the mirror to other people. Oh, I see. See what I mean? So yeah, that's kind of, and that's what it means. But
1: but I hate to tell you this, but the person in the mirror is you.
0: Yes. Well, the first, no, the person in the mirror isn't you. The person in the mirror is your projection of yourself. (laughs) Holy Jesus. Anyway, let's move on because it's, it's, confusing. I mean we've just spent um,
1: 20 minutes talking about that.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um <laughs> moving on, um also in this scene is the bit with um Peggy and oh, so, Peggy. so so Pete tells so Peggy tells Pete that she's kind of got this new job, right? And she's kind of the reason she's working late Wait, is Hang because, on a
1: minute. Hang on a minute. You've totally what, what? glossed over the sass that I was mean. Pete Campbell being like, "Hey fellas, what are you up to this weekend?" Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pete gets humiliated and um yeah, but what what's interesting about him getting humiliated is he then goes over to Peggy and starts talking to Peggy about how um, and Peggy starts telling him about her new job and the look on Pete's face is kind of I don't know, he seems quite hopeful, but I don't I don't I don't trust him. I don't know about you.
1: So Pete, I mean, for me this was a power assertion thing and it's like yeah. I think and I'm still carrying on with my theory from last week, that Peggy totally knows that this is all a game and it's kind of like so the the language that she uses in this scene i think is really interesting because she's sort of like she, in the last episode she was saying things like kisses in a basket and no woman wants to be one in a box of colors or whatever right yeah and then when she's describing her job to Peach, she's like Oh, Mr. Whatever liked what I said at the brainstorm thingy, <laughs> like
0: yeah all right, you know, what, yeah. do you
1: see what I'm saying, and it's like it's her going... language when she talks to him is totally yeah. she she still wants to be she wants him to think that he has I think you know a certain amount of power over her, which is why she agrees to his um you know she agrees to let him have a look' Cause she she knows to play the game and to let him feel like he has that power he's she's just witnessed him being humiliated, right and it's like but it doesn't it doesn't affect her as much as it does him
0: but what so the question i have is like but why would um pete want to help her oh i know what you're gonna say because <laughs>
1: because that makes him feel like the big strong man he's in charge like he's i mean this whole episode is pete trying to be like i am search. i have assertion over women like he's you know he's sort of acting like he's going along with what his what his wife wants but then men take the piss out of him. So then he's like, oh, actually, I'm not going to do what they said.
0: Um, um, yeah, I yeah I agree with that. I, I would have agreed with the whole thing about um, Pete wanting power over Peggy as well. Maybe that is part of it. I think another part of it, if we sort of look into the theme of defense mechanisms, is this is an example of a reaction formation. So It is? Yes. <laughs> so it's basically like... Um, He, so Pete, so Pete, when, when, when she tell when, when Peggy tells him what, what she, about her new job, Pete has that look on his face of like, really? Like, you know, really kind of almost like shocked and sort of a bit put off by it and a bit kind of like.
1: He makes a sanitary towel quip, doesn't he? And she's like, lipsticks. And he's like, isn't that what I said or something? Yeah,
0: exactly. And he's been really kind of, he's putting it down and he's just basically being a dick about it because he, I feel he feels a bit threatened by it. Because he wants, he said in the past that he wants to be a um, a, a creative or whatever. what are they called? He um, wants to be a
1: copywriter, doesn't
0: he? A copywriter, yeah. Um, and he's kind of, and obviously he hasn't got the job, but she has. And so, you know, the his actual, his actual feeling to that is quite sort of, you know, uh, negative. But he kind of, he's really positive to her. And that's the whole point of a uh, reaction formation is... Um, it's when someone tells you when you feel really bad, or when you when you present the opposite um, emotion to what you're actually feeling. So, like when you see someone that you don't like, um, and you want and you don't want them to know you don't like them, and then you're ultra nice to them. I don't know if that's ever happened to you.
1: I never do that. You know? just, <laughs> like if someone pisses, if someone pisses me off, I'm like I'm like. <laughs> no, I'm not going to stand there and be. I I I I don't know how people can look you in the face and be nice people, to you when they don't they, like you. Like what is that? People do
0: do that though. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs>
1: why? What's the I point? Know,
0: well, that's the point, isn't it? That's the that's the reaction formation. It's hiding the genuine feeling within a person, um, and yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, it's a way of protecting um, the inner self. I also agree that. Um, He's, uh, he, he's exhibiting some sort of power. I think that comes into it a bit later on as well, uh, which we'll talk about as we go on. Um, what's the next scene? Don and Roger in the bar. Yeah, so the reason they get into the bar is really interesting as well because um, Roger says to Don um, that he owes him a drink and it's almost like this thing that, um, that Roger needs from Don. And it's again, it's going back to that whole thing of this train reaction of things of these needs that people want. Because, like, when you talk about the, we talk about the uh, um, the shadows, the not the shadow self, the mirror self, or whatever. um, What when you see that image in the picture, all that basically does is it um, it um, it curses you to a life of always wanting to be that image in the in the well, always wanting to affect that image in the in the mirror. So you don't necessarily want to be it, but you might want to change it. And even when you change it, something else is gonna. You're gonna need something else. And you know, and you're always gonna need something on and on and on. There's this like big, long um, uh, chain reaction of things that you're always gonna need. And also, there's this feeling, this this thing of form where the thing that you need is like, it doesn't really have a form. We don't really know what it is. So it's just kind of called a signifier. And also the fact that, um, again, so. Those girls are looking at Don, right? Yeah. So this goes back again to the uh to the to the mirror the mirror image thing. And another thing that the 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 child wants is it wants to be like the image it wants to be the perfect image. It wants to be like itself in the in the mirror image. And but in this case, it can't be because Don is getting the attention of these girls. And Roger wants the attention of these girls, but he can't get that. So, what do they do next? They go over to Roger, to Don and Betty's house, and they have food. Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Is there anything you want to say about that scene, by the way? Because I kind of... No, I I saw it
1: as two guys in a bar and some (laughs) women checking them out. And then Don goes to... Oh, I mean, I did want to just say, poor Betty i know oh poor betty see this is the thing is roger's not being looked after and don yeah. is but don doesn't give a shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't now, look who's again. looking
1: after betty maybe this episode is just all about who's looking after who
0: maybe it is maybe, maybe. That's another maybe. Um, so this next scene basically tries to nail everything there is to nail about lacanian theory and it's And it's really hard, like, honestly, because they don't really even talk. They they never express it. Maybe I am crazy and none of this is, like, in this episode whatsoever. Let's talk about the episode. Let's just talk about the scene first. So they all talk of, like, sitting around and they're all eating. Um, Betty's eating a salad because um, the fact that Roger's there means that she doesn't get any meat. So she's just, like, glaring. (laughs) She's just glaring. I'd
1: be be so angry. That (laughs) would be. I would not give Roger my steak. I would give... (laughs) <laughs> I would give Don the salad, Roger the steak, and I'd have my nice pot of steak. Thank you. That's
0: exactly yeah, yes, that's what she should have done, but she didn't do that. Um, and they so they sat there and, um, and they start talking. So they're eating, they're eating the food, and Betty also Betty looks incredible now. She looks like she's like I don't know what she did, but like she just looks like this perfect sort of housewife. In the nice dress with the hair all made up and everything without mm. the cigarette hanging out of her. She looks beautiful.
1: Um, Aww, Fola, have you got a little crush on Betty?
0: I actually don't. You <laughs> She's I'm not, not into Betty at all, though. Um anyway, um so then they so they start talking about swimming. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh so this is fascinating. So uh, Don talks about swimming and he talks about how he used to swim in a quarry, um, which Roger kind of suggests is a lie. Kind of says he made it up. Um, and then, um, um, and then Roger tells a story about how he used to swim in like a swimming pool and um, you know he used to swim naked and all this kind of stuff and and everyone's really interested in that. And then. <laughs> And then Betty tells this story about how she used to swim um, and she lost loads of weight from swimming. I think, actually, she tells the story first, but she tells the story about how she she lost a lot of weight from swimming. And um, she went from being a tadpole to being a whatever. I can't remember. She used some weird word. Oh, yeah.
1: What was that?
0: A tadpole tadpole to a polywog. Polywog. Don makes some really cheesy joke about it being a lateral move. And this is like a fascinating scene because basically in Lacanian theory there's there's this there's this like diagram of a triangle, right? Right. And on on each point of the triangle, on the top point, the very top point is it's called um the imaginary, right? Mhm. And then on the left-hand side of the triangle, you have the real. And on the right hand side of the triangle you have the symbolic or something like that, right? Right. Does that make could you can you see that in your head, yeah?
1: Sure.
0: In fact, think about the think about where they're sitting on that table. So you've got the imaginary at the top.
1: Right. So so it's Don the Imag I'm gonna actually draw a triangle right now. Hang on.
0: (laughs) Okay.
1: I need I need visual aid people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's I'm, okay
1: You know, So here we go So here's my triangle You can't see this But just draw along with me uh, So we've got if if imaginary you're,
0: if, you're, if you're listening at home Do the same
1: Yeah And then imaginary <laughs> is Don Who's in the middle yeah. Between the two Then on the left yeah, You have yeah. Roger Which is the real
0: The real yeah
1: Roger's not think, real though
0: I think he's a, Well let me finish, let, 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 Keep going And we'll, we'll talk and about it is... I'm not 100% sure uh, And Betty is The um, The symbolic the, sy-
1: the symbolic okay
0: yeah and this is kind of how I don't really understand this at all but this is how it all sort of works so the imagine so it's basically it's a kind of it's almost like a play on the whole ego id um, super ego thing right so this is where this time the and it's not exactly the same it's not a total sort of um, they're not the same thing it's just kind of they're very similar and it's all it's all part of the the psyche. It's like you have that the ego eared superego thing is a Freudian sort of theory of the psyche and this is a Lacanian theory of the psyche. And the way it works is I think I think the way it works is uh, you have the you start off with the imaginary and that's kind of like when this is like at your very subconscious where the only way you can understand anything in the world is like, if I look at a picture of a beautiful woman, or if I look at a picture of a car, I can only imagine what it's like to ride that.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can only imagine I'm what sure it's like. I'm sure you can only imagine what it's like. For a- <laughs> to be with that girl or ride that car, right? right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I have to turn that into something symbolic, in order to be able to strive for that thing right right um so that's that's where the ego would sit so the the imaginary is where the id is so like the sort of almost like the 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 nether regions of subconscious like it's it's almost like it's not even formed it's just a thing then you've got the ego which kind of like makes it sort of so when i when when i go into the symbolic i'm sort of imagining what that thing is and putting like feelings in and and sort of ascribing some sort of value to that thing. And then you have the real, which is the actual real thing of getting what you want. Problem with the real is you can't actually get to the real because it's kind of, it's a it's really fucking complicated. But um, the real is essentially, it's not trauma, but it's what trauma uncovers. So when you, anytime you felt really, really bad, like you split up with someone, or you've been in like some sort of weird car crash or, or something where you felt ultra ultra vulnerable. That feeling of vulnerability, that really that feeling of kind of real sort of no protection and no sort of anything in this world, that's kind of the feeling of the real. That's what that's what's really going on in life, right? That's that's how you actually are. And and over time you kind of forget that because you sort of build up all these other things around you, these imaginary and symbolic things. Um, like, you know, like your, your love for your family, uh, your, your, like the food that you eat, the fact that you've got a job, all these things, they kind of, they cover up the real and it's like a perpetuating thing where the imaginary leads to the, um, to the symbolic, which leads to the real, which the, uh, because you can never actually hit the real, you kind of, Th- this thing keeps going round and round and round. I know this makes no sense. But believe me, it's kind of that's kind of what this eff- this 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 scene's getting at, kind of on a very 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 deep level. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, <laughs> that's so that's how I know it's about Luciani. I told you this was gonna be fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh, is sorry, it a everyone. scene
1: about? Three people having dinner.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> no, I, I think mean, I, right.
1: I think there's a, there's a, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there might be a little bit. I struggle with the symbolic a little bit. <laughs> so feel, do I. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I kind of get it. But then I also, right. also don't kind of get it because. That's fair enough. It's sort that's of it. like, I mean, I think you there's do. a, I think there's a, a thing there where i mean i thought this is where i thought you were gonna go don imaginary because we don't know what whether what he's saying is about his past is real or not real
0: yeah betty
1: yeah. symbolic because she is the perfect wife and well she's yeah kind housewife. of
0: handle and also the whole polywog um tadpole thing as well which is kind of obviously pointed out as like da Do you know i don't mean? know what like, a polywog it? is A polywog is a tadpole.
1: (laughs) Are you joking?
0: No, I'm not. That's exactly what it is.
1: Oh my god! So that's what? Because I didn't get that lateral joke at all. I was like, (laughs) I I, I was like, what language is this that they are speaking? Like, I don't, I don't speak American. Apparently,
0: (laughs) Um, I was like
1: polywog. Like when I was learning to swim, it was like you know actual things like sharks and dolphins, not polywogs. Anyway, and then Roger being the real because. Roger almost to a to a point has the dream in that he is a, he owns his own company as he talks about getting you know his he he's got his name on a building in Manhattan like he's he's yeah. made it you know um, and that he's the real he's the real thing but definitely
0: that, that's how I felt that's how that's how I felt about the whole thing and I think that's kind of correct it's just that yes it's just that um it's just that I don't understand why because in the actual diagram it's um. the the real and the um, the symbolic are switched around, so I don't know what they. I don't know if that's kind of an accident or deliberate. I don't know why why it looks like that, but um, yeah, I feel like uh, I I agree with you. Um, But then, um, then we talk. Then it moves on slightly, and we move on to yes. So and I and one of the reasons I know that um, Don's lying about his his swimming pool thing is because Roger kind of points out that he thought that Don would have been like more of a swimming hole kind of guy.
1: So he drops his G's. He's a farmer's boy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, Don gets really, you feel the tension in the room as he kind of like, as Roger kind of gets closer to the, almost like the real Don, do you know what I mean? And yeah. when he does get close to him, and this is another Lacanian thing, when he gets close to that real Don's kind of like, Right, let's go and get some drinks and kind of just changes the subject and moves on. Um, so that's kind of, I feel that's kind of pointing towards the Lacania thing as well. Anyway, so they move, so they move into, I think they're still in the same room, but now they've got cake and they've got wine, right? And they've got this cake um, that says, that says mommy and daddy on the cake, right?
1: Can I just say one thing? Does it say "mummy" or does it say Mommy
0: think it says mummy M- and i think you. it says mummy
1: i think that they've got a little british girl because <laughs> surely it should say mommy right
0: i guess good, i mean that's, that's my
1: theory that they maybe, actually maybe, adopted a british child
0: maybe if there's any american people listening they can correct us do you say mummy or mommy
1: i mean you say mommy they all say mom let like, mommy Ma- mommy mommy
0: they say mommy but they, do they spell it That's yes the they spell it do mommy they? yes okay all right, okay, fair enough. We'll i mean american
1: out. people you can you can just email us and tell us which one of us is wrong um you can but do. you know if not then i think that we should write to mr what's his face who wrote weiner. This sh-
0: <laughs> we should weiner.
1: write to mr weiner and be like come on you did a spelling mistake
0: obviously yeah sort yourself out yeah sort um. it out so but they're sitting there and they're eating this cake that says mommy and daddy on it and uh, so this is another thing so right so in Lacanian theory the baby the baby kind of has this thing with the father where it looks at the daddy and wants what the daddy's got which is basically the attention of the mother and I feel like in this scene, this specific scene, metaphorically, not obviously not for real, metaphorically, Roger is the baby and he wants Betty. He wants the attention of Betty. And as you watch the scene, <gasps> you see the two of them fighting over each other. Oh trying God. to get her attention. And um which is why later on when Don's out of the room um, Roger goes up to Betty and... What do you think about this? All right, this, I love no, this so here we go, right?
1: Do you think Betty was loving it, though? <laughs>
0: there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind she was loving it. She is Those loving
1: eyes. it. <laughs> She's having a whale of a time.
0: <laughs> Those eyes that she gives him are like, what? She goes like, no, don't do that. And it looks like square in his eyes. And just like, ah, oh, it's like, yeah. Well, what the I thing saying? is,
1: like, she's, she just loves it. She loves, I mean, she loved it. If she, if, if Roger had asked for a lock of her hair, she'd be getting the clippers out, mate. <laughs> yeah. Like, she loves it. She loves a bit of man attention, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, she does. But again, she denies it. She's, uh, she's using exactly the same sort of um, defense mechanism where she says, like, no, that's not what was happening. Or oh, even when she, even when she, when he asks her, and she says we can't do that or whatever. She like she's using the same defense mechanism of denial. Um, yeah, and that's kind of yeah. I, I just thought that was that that seems a bit crazy. But then <laughs> I think
1: I think this is it's complicated for her because, I mean, not being funny, but like actually, I probably shouldn't say that with hashtag Me Too around. <laughs> but you know, I think there is something that like if a, if like a hot old guy, a hot rich old guy who runs his own company, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that his actions are, are right or anything like that. But, I mean, it's a little bit flattering, isn't it? Like,
0: cute cute digging. It's, I, know,
1: I know, no, I know, no. It's not, it's not appropriate, and I mean that it's not appropriate if it's unwelcome. But there is also, you know, I think, I get it. Like, I'm sorry, but there are like hot women bosses that do it as well. I'm They're just wrong. gonna stop talking. <laughs>
0: all right. <laughs> Honestly,
1: guys, I'm all up. My point that I'm making is that it's. I think it's okay that Betty likes it because she, but I think what you're you know, what we were saying before about her, it's almost like she doesn't like it because she likes Roger. She likes it. I think because she likes she knowing likes that she is desirable. Yeah. And she likes the yeah. attention. So, you know, probably edit out that other bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's all stated. What? Um, so, yeah. And then, um, so, and then obviously Roger walks in on them and he's kind of, and he makes the assumption of what's going on. Um, but he doesn't say anything.
1: The thing I did want to say about the end of that scene, what I think is really interesting, yeah. is that there at no point does any character think about the other characters. So, for example, right. Betty Betty's enjoying the attention. Dom comes. Don comes back. I like it's all about like their own that they're only all thinking about themselves in that scene. They're not like, there was not, there yeah. was an opportunity for Don to run in and be like, Hey man, what the fuck are you doing? That's my wife. Yeah. And, and he
0: does it. Yeah. So actually so, like, say what's going like being an, an adult about it and say like, why are you messing with my wife? Yeah. And get some sort of, um, I don't know. That would be the, I guess that would be the immediate respectful thing to do is like to say, say out loud, like stop fucking my wife, but he doesn't do that. Instead, and- what he does is he um, he represses that emotion.
1: And I think, what, but what you see is, the Betty, I think, is the really interesting catalyst in that scene because you see what happens later on when it's like a man has a problem with another man. You see what happens when a woman has a problem with another woman. is like Betty hits Helen in the middle of the supermarket. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But rog- Roger, Roger just gets her, oh, you know, that's not quite right. Don't do that. He oh, yeah. doesn't get a slap or anything, even though what he did is way more inappropriate than what Helen that's, did. If what Helen did was even inappropriate to begin with, that's um, true. Yeah. And I think, but what's interesting is that when it comes to a man and a woman, I, I think that isn't ever really explored in terms of how to, you know, they sort of don't really react. Yeah, yeah. It's sort yeah. of like a lot more complicated. Um, well,
0: is it that? I mean, okay, okay. So later on, we see. The, we see the way that Don reacts to Betty, right? Um, even in this scene, like yeah. after this, like Don kind of, well, Don sort of grabs Betty's arm and like Betty says to him, Do you want to, are you going to knock me around? And he kind of lets her go. Yeah, because um, but
1: that's all, but I think that's what she wants out of him. She she almost like wants, she's asking for it because she, she wants his attention. <laughs> she's not no, she, she like,
0: good with the Me Too stuff she, today. She,
1: she but she wants no, she wants his attention, and like I, I know also
0: before we go on, <laughs> I need to say this as well you know, like before we saw that that episode where it was like two halves. you had the the half where um it was one half was done at work and the other half was done at home. You know the marriage of Figaro.
1: Oh yeah, uh,
0: I feel like this is similar in that this is two halves as well, so the first half is all driven essentially by Roger. And the second half is driven by Don, even mm. though they're in the same space. But, yeah, we'll get to that anyway. Um, the next scene is Pete and office, uh, Pete in the office with the chip and dip.
1: Oh, the chip and dip. Yes. I love the chip and dip. I want one.
0: There's not really much to say about it. I mean, the, so the first time we see him, he's just kind of like in the office and he's sort of like telling all the guys that it's a chip. He keeps cond- He keeps saying it's a chip and dip.
1: I know um, but that's because it's so fun to say like if you
0: just <laughs> chip, chip and dip <laughs> <laughs> um what's really interesting so the, the only thing I can really get out of this chip and dip thing is this, the shape of it oh, god <laughs> every time I talk about Lacanian stuff I just get a, this feeling of dread because I know I'm not explaining it right but there's a there's I mean a I, th- th- I thought
1: you were going to say it looked like a <laughs> pair of balls or something but
0: well not quite so the the, the there's a diagram of a uh, Lacanian sort you have like the thing about Lacanian things is you have you have it's basically all these these circles right and all these circles are joined by these nodes and these nodes are the things that um, that hu- that human beings want it's hard for me to describe it without showing you the diagram but the chipper dip looks like... The two circles with the little node in the middle, the little node of desire. And um, it's like two different states and the little node of desire in the middle. But that's the only thing I get out of the chip and dip thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, the chip and dip is just a pointless accessory, isn't it? It, it is. It's, it's a it's a womanly home item. And I just love, I kind of love Pete in the scene because he's so adorable and he brings it in and he's so proud to be like... I'm going to take it back to the store, and they're all like taking the piss out of him. And he's like, "Nope, I'm well, going to the store to take it back for my wife." Well,
0: well they are—they are taking the piss out of him, and they uh, to the point where I feel—I feel like um, <clears throat> Paul calls Paul calls him some like some girl's name. I can't remember. What it was. Mildred. Um, Mildred. Yeah, he calls him Mildred, and again, so when he calls him Mildred, and when when they walk off. You see that look on Pete's face. It's the same look that Pete had when um, uh, Roger called him Paul or something. <laughs> Roger, when on. Roger was walking away and he called him Paul and he said, I just like doing that to mess with him. Um, and yeah, you see like the just the disappointment and the slight embarrassment on Pete's face as like they walk away. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I feel like that's kind of something that's building up through the whole episode of him sort of being humiliated by everyone, basically.
1: Oh, poor... You know, I just... But I did sort of get a a feeling of, like, he went in, he was proud to do it. He's like... I feel like he's... he At some point, when we haven't seen on camera, he's gone home, and he's had a good old chat with Trudy. And they basically had a good old chat, and she's like, look, you don't have to be, like, one of those asshole men in the office. You can be, like, a (laughs) a nice husband. You can take (laughs) my... You can take my chip and dip back for me, and just be be hold your head high. You don't have to be ashamed. And he's like gone in, like when you know when you're at school and your mum's gone like oh, <laughs> just just ignore the bullies. And then you've just gone yeah. in and your heads up and you're just ignoring them and blah blah. But then I think for him is the turning point when he actually goes to the store and he sees that guy from another agency.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, f- you feel like he's been a bit. Um. He's a bit more mature in this. In this episode.
1: I don't know. I mean, he he gets creepy later on. <laughs>
0: He does. Um, Anyway, um, so Roger, then we see Roger and Don. Roger, we see Roger going to Don's office. Ah, this
1: scene. Oh, my God.
0: How do you think of this scene? Okay. I love this
1: scene. I thought this scene was so good because it's, like, so passive aggressive. (laughs) So just, like, he just walks in and he's, like, about last night. and Which is something that, like, a guy says to a woman, you know, like, about last night. Yeah, that's a good um, point, yeah. About that thing going on there, um but he well, comes in and he sort of says this whole thing about what does he say? It's about like um like when he
0: poked, parked his car in the wrong place.
1: Yeah, and it's this whole thing of like, oh, you know, I've got this sense of entitlement since I have yeah. my name on the building and stuff like that. It's such a the most utter pile of bollocks, but well, I just love it.
0: There's there's a whole thing about. Um, the whole thing about again, Laconian stuff, there's a whole thing about language and how language how the name of something isn't necessarily the thing that you're talking about. But I'm not gonna go into it because it's too confusing. Um but yes, I, I feel like um, in this 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 scene's another kind of it's another defence mechanism. It's um um I don't know what it I don't know what it is exactly, it's probably more uh not projection. I guess it's just a repression thing, isn't it? Um, where Don's not really... Oh, there's also a bit of reaction formation. You know, like what I was talking about before, where um, people are nice to... So... It's passive-aggressive, I guess, uh, is another way of putting it, where they're being nice to each other, but you know that there's this bubbling on underneath of, like, just kind of anger, especially from Don's side. Oh, yeah. Don is pissed off. And he like... and I And I don't think anything... That Roger says in the scene is kind of like made him feel any better. He's still well, no. Streaming.
1: If anything, it makes him more mad because Roger lets like, Saunders in. It's like, hey, buddy, like you know, listen, yeah. it's not, it's not my fault. I've just got this issue well, where I feel a bit entitled it, and I get a bit drunk. Even,
0: even then, he never actually says what he's apologizing for. Like he doesn't actually come out and say it. He just kind of says, ah, you know, sometimes I can be a bit entitled and. Uh, you know, he's kind of apologising, but he never really says, sorry, I tried to shag your wife. Do you know what I mean? It's like... So yeah, it's all... but he
1: does it. But the th- I think that's the thing, though, because in his mind, he hasn't really done anything wrong. I mean, he's sort of encroached on Don's wife, which isn't his property and isn't his place to do. Um, but at the same time, nothing actually happened. So in his mind, he doesn't really have anything to apologise for. Um, oh he
0: does if he didn't have anything to apologize for he wouldn't be apologizing no
1: i don't think it i don't think it is that though i think it's more of a sense of like listen i'm gonna come in i'm gonna tell you that or sort of subtly because i mean that we all know they all know what happened um <laughs> but i think it's that whole thing of like i mean even the immaturity thing he's like yeah i slept in my car last night and it's like that's a you know if you went if i went to the office tomorrow You know, almost like, oh yeah, I got so drunk last night, I slept in my car. No one would be like, that's so cool, man. Do you know what I mean? It's kind (laughs) of, but it's this like manly, like, oh yeah, I'm so wild and young and crazy that I just do all this stuff, you know? And he's just, I think it's that thing where he's just like, oh, it's just a bit crazy. It's just a bit of a crazy night. Whereas Don is more of a grown up at this point and it's just a bit more like, what, you know, because he wants Roger to sort of say outright, what happened because he keeps going like oh I don't know what you're talking about I don't know what you're talking about yeah
0: yeah yeah I guess there but you. yeah
1: it's a it's a it's a very interesting I really like that scene I think that that scene was great
0: that's cool um so then we go to Pete this is my this is one of my favourite in episode um, Pete in the in the queue I just think it's really funny aww so adorable <laughs> feet's queuing up and all these women are coming up to him and sort of being nice to him and treating him like he's a good little boy i
1: know <laughs>
0: and he absolutely hates it uh but actually the the thing with the woman behind the thing where she's so dismissive of him and he's just been really kind of like look do you want to pay do you want the money or what does she say you can either have the money or you can res-
1: store credit
0: store credit yeah no he wants the money but she just wants to give him stock on it she's just she's not budging at all and then that guy comes in and
1: <laughs> but this is what I didn't understand right God. so I'm I am to this day unclear whether there were two chip and dips ah, right. or whether there was one chip and dip and the reason he's so happy that he's getting rid of it is that he didn't like it to begin with because when you see Trudy shouting or you don't see her but when she's shouting at him later yeah. she's like going oh my aunt gave it to us it had sentimental value or whatever so i wonder if he just he wanted to get rid of it and he's made up all this stuff about it being his his wife's asked him to do it and stuff like that i think he just wanted to get rid of it
0: maybe yeah so, i i think he's thinking about that as well like because he says there's two but then why is she so upset that they got rid of or maybe maybe she just likes the fact that her aunt, her uncle and aunt gave her that one and it's a special uncle and aunt. I don't know. But then,
1: but how would you know? Like, I mean, if you still had one, like, how does she know that she he gave the one that came from the aunt to back to back to the sh- to the store? You know, he could have given whoever else got it. For I think there was only one, and the reason yeah. he's so he's so jolly about it is because it isn't Trudy's idea <laughs> at all. It's his idea. And well,
0: it, let's be honest, that is something Pete would do. <laughs>
1: well, it, he's But he's done it because him saying, oh, my wife's making me go to the store to return yeah. something is better than him going, oh, I'm taking this back to the store because I don't like it or something. But he does yeah. seem to like the chip and dip, so I don't really know.
0: <laughs> I don't know either. Um, it, it's definitely, But they never say, so we don't really, we never find out. Do the, we? the chip kinda...
1: and dip will remain a mystery
0: yeah it will, <laughs> it will do um, but I like his mate that comes in and he's kind of like just absolute dick <laughs> I just love how he's <laughs> like I'm coming back for you <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god how all this is kind of I guess all this is kind of um, yeah it's making Pete feel even more um, uh, what's the word Uh
1: demasculated uh,
0: yeah, emasculated emas- emasculated emasculated do not know what it is <laughs> to be quite sure I'm, I'm not sure uh, about the
1: re- I don't know what the receipt thing's all about like I don't know if it's just supposed to be funny
0: I do no, know it's not just <laughs> I'll be honest with you I don't think anything in this show is supposed to be just funny I thought I was it's like, like a bit
1: of light entertainment in between all the revenge <laughs> that's going on
0: um, I don't even think the end of this episode is about Is just there to be funny which I thought it was at first uh, I just don't know what it is. Um, so if anybody knows and everybody's listening, uh, let us know what your theories are on it because I don't get it. So the next thing we see is um, Pete arriving back at the office with his gun. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, that's such a... Oh, God. Pete, what are you doing, mate? Um <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what to say about this. It's like he's a child, isn't it? He's come in, he gets it, he's like poking, he's got this gun out. And it is like a video game because he's like, instead of people running away, they're all just still casually walking around the office while he points
0: this gun. And
1: the shot is so good of it, like looking down, like a video game, like he's looking down the barrel. And then the final shot is of of Hilda who comes over and just, just pulls it down. Um, yeah. and that just sh- that I think that just shows how threatening Pete is
0: well okay so I think this is actually really interesting because um, this scene is basically so it's, this is for me this is a, this scene is basically a culmination of all the things that have happened to Pete in this episode so far and it's of what he's done of, of what he's been through and also him by it's like a toy gun and one of the um one Of the, the defense mechanisms is regression, um, which is kind of like returning to like a childhood state, um, so that you, you see the regression there, like, so that's pretty clear. But also, on top of that, when we see him, um, aiming his gun at everyone in the office, that's just really scary, <laughs> it's like terrifying. It's basically. I think, but he doesn't episode... aim it
1: at any men, does he?
0: He doesn't know. He just aims it at women, which is another thing. And it's kind of there he is with a gun aiming at Don't you? Don't you see the parallels? <laughs> <laughs> the parallels with like shooters and like this whole idea of regression, repression, and how. Like holding down those emotions and not talking about things can like blow up to be this fucking huge, dangerous thing that America is currently dealing with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point.
0: Like, okay, like, and like, it, it, then we move on to. So this is like the driest, most boring scene in that there's loads of stuff going on in it, um, and it's a scene where they're all in the meeting room and they're talking about how they're gonna they're going to tackle this whole Nixon issue. Have you got any thoughts on this whatsoever?
1: I mean, I, like you say, it's kind of a, it was a bit of a snore fest for me. Um,
0: <laughs> like
1: I get it. You know, it's, I think a lot of this is like, you've got the older generation and the youngest generation in the, in that same room. The youngest is generation is sort of like, cause I mean, I, I, my, my American history during this period isn't quite up to scratch. But is this the one where I'm guessing J.F. Kennedy wins?
0: Yes. Yeah? Yes.
1: Yeah. I thought so. I'm not that stupid. Sorry, America. <laughs> um, and it's like they're all going, why would anyone want a kid like running the country and all that kind of stuff? And it's like the older generation always thinking they know best. But actually, for once, Pete knows what he's talking about. But he's he's dismissed um, by the oldest person, which is Cooper, I need something like, oh, remind me not to hire any more kids or something. Um, I I, don't, I mean, the rest of it is sort of just, it's a bit fluffy for me.
0: The, the big two things that happen in this that are quite obvious is Pete gets shut down again for being, for basically for being young. Yep. And um, also Roger gets, Roger's really, really angry. And I feel like that's another... It's almost it's like Rogers uh, exhibiting his um, his authority because he hasn't he got nothing else that he can do so he's kind of you know because he's tried to basically be he's tried to basically be Don take over Don and Don's kind of not having it and he's not been able to do that so now all he's got all Roger really has is this kind of um, outward display of outward display of emotion it's kind of like the repression has come to the fore and it's just kind of like it's just turned into him being angry, and you see um, Don look at him in a really sort of weird way and like almost kind of not saying anything, but I feel like you know, he's kind of his feelings are kind of bubbling up underneath it all. Um, yeah, what did, did you even notice that? No, all <laughs> right, okay, um, yeah, um, but that's why I go from that anyway. The next scene is Don returning home and he's still mad at Betty and um, he makes a crack about how uh, we see betty sort of making the um the the is it meatloaf is it a steak or oh it's the roast beef ah the yes the roast beef she's such a good wife <laughs> i don't know if there's anything i don't know again i've i'm not sure if i'm missing something there there's usually something um but um all we really know from that is that don is still mad at betty um and then then we oh and then we see Pete getting told off by Trudy. Yeah. What do you think of that scene?
1: Uh, well that seems so like but that that's totally a kiddie scene isn't it? Like he's there and he's got his like <laughs> naughty toy with him and you don't see her she's a power sort of out of shot and she's yelling at him and he's like he's backed into his oh gosh he's he's backed into his corner isn't he? Um uh, yeah
0: and he's all on his own.
1: And he's all on his own and it's like you kind of see the price—it's almost like the price you pay. It's like him and Betty are almost experiencing the same thing for their immature, I guess, reaction.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's an
1: echo. I think it's very much like This is how it's like. Trudy is Trudy is Don, and her partner is, or her husband is stupid because he wastes money on, or he gets rid of things that are of sentimental, emotional value um, yeah. for something that's gonna make him look feel more masculine and don is almost doing the opposite like he's sort of yelling at 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 betty because she because well like she he acts like she's behaving like a child because she is she was flirting with roger um yeah
0: and it's kind of like there's that whole thing go on She, she even says at one point um you act like a child or something. Yeah, you?
1: but it's an it's an emotional thing, isn't it? Because both of them did what they did, I think, to get some form of emotional reaction. Be it, you know, sort of either pointing a gun at someone and getting respect, or flirting with a rival and
0: yeah, feeling yeah, attractive yeah, or whatever it they're is. Not, they're not getting enough. They're not getting enough love at home. So exactly. Out, which, no,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's that whole. It's that whole thing where it's like they what they imagined happening there like betty yeah. going back to your triangle theory whatever um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is betty imagined that don would step in um and sort of I guess save is. her and Pete imagined that he would be seen as the sort of masculine figure because we actually haven't talked about um oh no because it it's the next scene isn't it where we see Pete and his gun in the office and yeah he, and he tells his weird story um
0: shall we talk about that? <laughs> let's
1: talk about let's talk about pete's Pete's story i mean I, first of all, I just want to say that he probably should be living in the woods because not only did he not only did he write a, a story about a bear but then he goes yeah. on about this whole this whole thing about being a hunter um it just to very cover, disturbing yeah. hunter story Sucking where man. he has a he he basically goes out and kills something um <laughs> and then brings it back and his wife cooks it for him and basically takes and stands
0: care of it
1: and just he she serves him
0: so the next scene is don and roger eating oysters
1: <sighs> i mean you just knew didn't you when you saw those and they order more i mean i don't know if any of you guys have ever had oysters i've had <laughs> two in my life i've never had the first one. one i had to try it and it was disgusting and then the yep. second one I had maybe a couple of years later because I was like, well, you know, maybe I just I didn't give it a fair shot. I was in a nice place. The oysters were there. I was like, I'm going to have another go. But no, it's still like uh, drinking a cold booger. Um, <laughs> so the idea of, I mean, just the idea of eating, tw- I, th- I think they order another dozen. So in total, they both eat approximately 24 oysters, which wow. like, what is that? Is that comfy eating? Is that like
0: well i think there's multiple readings for that um for that for why she does that so i feel like the big one that i can talk about is um that so that's when she does that that that's that reminds me of the scene in the second episode where she was getting taken around uh taken around the office by paul Mm -hmm. um and i feel like it's it's calling back to that idea of the ego and um just reminding us of how what these characters are kind of driven by um so that's the first thing there's also something else which i won't go into because it's a bit of a spoiler i've probably already spoiled it (laughs) um yeah Is Um, is is
1: it sexual desire that she basically um represses because of a ham sandwich
0: I think she... Let's put it this way. I think she's repressing something and we'll find out about it later on. Oh! Uh, yeah, so moving on to Betty in the store. <laughs> oh,
1: that Betty in the store. I I so, love that store. That Can I just say, Like, I don't know if you admired the set of that store, but like the vegetables in the background look delicious.
0: Well, now that you come to think of it, that's like a, what, two-second scene? <laughs> and, like, how long did it take them to... Dress that store and make all that stuff. That's crazy. It it was Um, cool. Yeah, it was really good. Um, But I feel like this... I'm sure there's something else going on in this scene. Um, But there's also... There is the fact that... um, uh, Betty has just been accused of being a massive flirt. And she couldn't do anything to her husband. Uh, But she ends up taking that out. On um Helen. Uh, which is in my list of defence mechanisms, uh displacement.
1: Yeah. I mean this yes. is it's a she the way she reacts, she totally overreacts to what Helen Helen says, which is a pretty reasonable thing. Like, I don't know, I don't have any kids, but if someone if if some woman who was babysitting my kid gave him some of her hair, I'd probably be pretty pissed about it too i think helen was actually pretty reasonable it's betty who's like she's totally like how dare <laughs> you because the thing is someone else has said it it's like it's almost fine that her husband can think that well, but
0: i don't see that that's the thing the way displacement works is when somebody when when somebody has a go at you who you can't fight back against so someone who's stronger say for instance like don Has a go at you for something you can't fight back at them, so you hold that that feeling within you, and then when somebody who's kind of who you can fight back against, let's say I don't know another woman uh, like Helen, um, that's where it comes out, and that's kind of what's going on there is like she's kind of reacting to that. She's she's basically reacting to the way Don treated her yeah and uh yeah and and that's why that's why she literally just slaps her in the face and she's kind of because that's what she wants to do to don right so the next scene is don and roger eating oysters so about 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 this scene um doing the breakdown i said that um roger and don go on a date oh and this is their date and so many things in it kind of signify that this is a date <laughs> Um, first of all they're eating oysters which are obviously uh, aphrodisiac Uh Um, at one point um, Don tells Roger you're leading this dance Um, and then they start talking about love Um, they start talking about true love and they talk about I love Lucy there's just all these signifiers to kind of love and like I feel like this scene all goes back to that idea of Eros and the pleasure principle and love and why we do these because we do all these things we do within the present principle uh, and the life drive are essentially for love therefore this kind of this feeling of love and there's also this thing that um that freud would talk about where he would say that one of the things about desire and love is it has to be followed so if like say, for instance, two a man and a woman really like each other, right? Right. If man and woman like each other, uh they have sex, and during sex there is a discharge, right? This isn't the full thing. This isn't the full explanation, but it's kind of how I understand it. So <sighs> there's there's a, there's a there's a discharge, and because of that discharge, it's almost like a it's almost like you remember those um coffee adverts in the 80s where the whole thing was are they gonna do are they gonna get together are they gonna get together and then as soon as they got together it got really boring because the tension had gone
1: (laughs) i love that you chose like a coffee advert from the
0: 80s it's the best way to describe it i mean it's not like
1: ross and rachel is that surely
0: Okay, like, like something a bit more modern. Ross and Rachel and friends, right? <laughs> so they kind of they have this will-they-won't-they they thing going on for ages and ages. Then they get together and then everyone's bored of them, right? Right. And I feel like, so, and, and that's kind of what Freud was saying is that with all, with all relationships, with all especially with all relationships, there's this tension of uh, uh, this this build-up to a release. But the thing is, if you don't have that release... Then you just have a friendship which is ongoing and can last forever. If you have the release, there's a fear that things will die out and then the people that are involved with each other will get bored with each other and just move on to someone else. Uh, it's like you almost, it's almost like you get what you want, but then you're like, you don't, you realize you don't want it. But with platonic relationships, there's this thing where because there's never that release, there's never that kind of obtaining the thing that you think you want, um, that relationship just lasts sort of in indefinitely because it never it never loses that tension and that's basically what i feel like is going on here so it's kind of suggesting that don and roger are on a date um and the idea is that um because because roger because they have they're so they're, their feelings are invested in, in each other And i'm sure there's a better way to describe it than this but I'll just say the easiest way to describe it is the feelings are really invested in each other. They're really sort of like, obviously trying to get one up on each other, they're competing with each other, but in almost like a sort of, almost like a sexual kind of way where they're sort of arousing each other's interests. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help you. You laughing because like, I'm you know, sorry. Trying to be trying to be serious. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they're trying to arouse each other's interest, but there's no sort of there's literally no uh, discharge. There's no there's no way of sort of getting rid of that tension. So it just keeps going on that they're sort of like friends, even though in in theory they should be. It, it should lead to more than that. Anyway, we'll leave that there for the time being, and we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next scene, and, and obviously, if anyone's still listening to this, uh, write in and tell me that I'm so wrong and I don't understand Lacanian theory because you're right. Um, the next scene is Betty and Betty drinking alone, and she's like just drinking by herself. Um, I think you said you had stuff to say about this.
1: I mean, I just think it's it's very. I think I think we don't give Betty. Enough credit, like Betty is very intelligent. Like she went to some fancy college, I think it's Bryn Mawr College or something. She's actually, mm-hmm. in some ways, too good for Don. Like she's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's the whole package. I mean, even mm-hmm. you know, even Roger remarks on how spectacular she is. As you know, she can mm-hmm. cook. She's she's just she's a she's a grade A woman in many mm-hmm. ways, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like I think that's part of her problem, and I think she sort of alludes to that a little bit in this. Because first of all, when the pregnant woman comes in, she's like, she's all like, "Oh, I was testing some wines for a party," which is such a lie. It's such a lie like i mean i'm gonna use that next time i'm like drinking <laughs> wine in the office and my boss is like what are you doing i'm gonna be like Oh, i'm just testing some wine for the christmas party <laughs> such a lie anyway but it's that it's that socially acceptable thing isn't it and it's the same that you know the reason the woman comes over she, she is to find out about what happened at the supermarket but she comes over and she's like you know she makes up all this stuff at first about what's really going on um mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in the scene. But I think with Betty, you know, like I say, she's a really smart and intelligent woman. And I think, again, it's it's this, we are, the way it's been shot, we're meant to see her in a certain way. Um, yeah. And I think that the more we delve into her character, the more you realise that she isn't actually that thing. And that she isn't happy. And that, you know, I think... I think she she is childlike in the sense that I think some things that she does she does to get a reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I well yeah. But I, I think, think that's, that's I think
0: the
1: that's a part of herself yeah. that she doesn't really understand because by all sense and purposes yeah. she's she's almost achieved what she's supposed to achieve. She's married well in her opinion. She lives in a nice place. She has two she, children. Yeah. She has a be- You know, she has, she's
0: almost got what she wants.
1: She's well, no, on paper she's per- she's perfection. Um, and yeah. she knows that, but it's almost like that being perfection not is not enough and and I think what gives her a thrill is is being noticed by a stranger like the fact that she likes the fact that the psychiatrist look, like looks down her top or whatever um
0: well, well that's that's the that's the point of Lacanian theory is like you're never satisfied you're, essentially you're never satisfied. there's always that one thing that you want uh, the next thing that you want and you and even when you get it, you get that thing, but then there'll be something else that you want. And it just keeps going like that. But I think it's essentially... not so
1: much her knowing what she wants. I think that's the thing. I think that she doesn't understand why she feels that way. Cause I think she's sort of like, she doesn't want to feel that way. Um,
0: yeah yeah totally but she, but she enjoys thing, it it's...
1: and, and it, i don't think it is that she necessarily wants to then sleep with these people who are looking at her in this way yeah. i don't think that's what it's about no. at all i think she just gets like a bit of a kick off it um yeah and she exactly. doesn't understand well, why she gets so...
0: that well so this is I, I think this goes to another one of my uh defense mechanisms and in this case, it actually is narcissism. Uh, so basically, through narcissism, she um, she defends her, her insides, her her, her her psyche from this feeling of not being enough or what if not. Because essentially, the whole thing of these defense mechanisms is to defend us against the idea that in the big scheme of things, we're not that significant which I can say that now and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you know when you felt that, when you feel like really insignificant, like you don't matter to something that you feel like you should matter to, right? That's like the whole thing of like the parent and and being left alone and sort of realizing that there's a loss, there's something missing and trying to fill that hole. Um, And so Betty's way of filling that hole in some way, being (laughs) wanted is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're a child I know um Betty's very, Betty's very feeling that hole <laughs> is being wanted one more thing on Betty's um narcissism as well um, when she's talking to Francine Francine starts talking about how we're gonna we're gonna ignore Helen and we're gonna you know we're not gonna invite her to any parties and we know what she's like and we don't like her and all that kind of stuff that's another um example of narcissism like the flying monkeys thing which you might have heard of You've heard flying flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz.
1: I mean, I know what the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz are, but how do they come into this now? So,
0: so there's this thing with nas, well, like with extreme narcissism, where I don't know. You might have seen it at work, where um, if someone, someone with a lot of power, someone who's very narcissistic, um, if they get hurt by a person or if they feel slighted by someone they'll then turn all their friends on that person and that's known and those friends are known as flying monkeys okay you never have you never heard of that
1: um no i can't say that i have
0: have you ever seen that happen though
1: Yes, <laughs> i have okay. i mean i mean yeah i think yeah i guess so i mean i, I wouldn't always necessarily credit the narcissist with having the power to turn people against you. Why not? I mean, because people have their own free will. They do.
0: They do. But that's part of extreme narcissism is being able to, it's being able to, uh, not, not control people, but being using the, it's, it's almost like an innate ability. It's like the child thing, isn't it? It's like, we all want to protect the child. That's essentially what narcissism is. It's like this kind of protection of this thing that can't defend itself. So we all go out and we sort of defend that person. And, you know, sometimes with no real reason to, it's kind of, and then, you know, innocent people get hurt. Then the final scene where Don and Roger are walking up the stairs and um, yeah. And Roger kind of can't make it because he's old. Um, so there's a there's a bit of um, a defense mechanism here where Don where Roger sort of pretends to drop his um, pretends to drop his clip his tie clip and and just lets uh, Don go on ahead of him. But I think the biggest thing to talk about in this scene is what happens at the end of it, where after going up this thing after after walking up these stairs and sort of making oh one thing i want to point out as well there's two people kissing in the in the staircase Mm. so the old eros cupid thing okay anyway um and um but, but but like i said so at the end of it when they get to the top uh roger obviously is sick all over the floor which to me is a kind of discharge and kind of Finishes off the episode
1: yes, I see that linking in with your theory quite nicely thank you um i I, I enjoyed <laughs> that I mean I think like this whole thing i I mean for me, when I watched it, I thought a lot more about the re- the revenge angle mm-hmm. and how much thought and effort went into planning this on don's part <laughs> like I mean if you yeah. think about like you know that i mean let you say he almost arranged this like date like not it's almost like you're right like roger's a woman and he's taken on this date to trick him into getting into bed with him the whole thing is so like to the point where he pays off the elevator guy earlier on (laughs) yeah
0: i guess yeah
1: you know and he knows he's gonna make it because he's i mean you know you and you don't even know what he said to the waiter in the restaurant or anything like you don't know because it i mean it's it's such a it's such a cruel thing to do because you it's so <laughs> shameful to go meet like these big important people and the first thing you do is like be sick all over the floor
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, like that's so awful
0: <laughs> there's um there's one thing i wanted to say that uh, i missed out about you know we were talking about the um the meeting the boring meeting with uh, oh, yeah. the, the nixon meeting so one of the things that lacan talks about is um how human beings from their human beings require from their leaders to be quite ruthless and to ask the questions that nobody else wants to ask and do the things that nobody else wants to do and that's what they're talking about with Nixon is this kind of like ruthless kind of um, hard-lined kind of authoritarian figure and he's and Lacan says that he wants he thinks people, no matter what they say everybody wants to have some sort of authority like some strong authority over them so that they feel safe and that's kind of like a big part of it um and i feel like with this final scene um don obviously is not the boss um uh, roger's the boss but roger isn't that strong authority figure is he he's kind of like he's like a nice guy he's like he gets on with everyone he's quite sweet yeah. ironically Don is quite uh uh qu- he's very quiet and he's very um i want to i want to say so i am trying to say manly without saying manly but he said you know what i mean he's very sort of he's a
1: manly man
0: well he is, He kind of is and he kind of isn't but like i feel like he what what happens in this final scene is basically him taking on some of the responsibility of Roger. By by emasculating Roger in the way that he does and getting that discharge, he kind of takes on some part, which is why when he walks away, and why I told you, why I kind of made a point of saying that when he walks away from him after patting him on the shoulder, he kind of has a big smug smile on his face. Before we finish talking about all this stuff, uh, I just want to leave with some questions that I don't really know the answers to. Oh, okay. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to answer them. I just. I'm just gonna put them out there, and if anybody wants to get back to us, they can do. Okay. So, why the joke of Don directing Roger to his car? I know we kind of touched on it, and you kind of think it's something to do with um,
1: him being senile. It's,
0: it's him being senile and him being old, and this, that's fair enough. But if there's anyone else who has any other ideas, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nixon meeting. Uh, what's actually going on in that again? that might have something to do with Lacan's theory on how we want to be authority and all that kind of stuff. But if anyone has any deeper um, ideas on that, let us know. And also I put down here, there's two more. So there's the slap, which I guess we kind of said was an example of repression coming out and sort of some sort of compensation of repression. I don't know, it could be, there could be other things in there that I missed. And And finally, The whole thing on Eros, I think there's a whole thing on Eros in this final episode and the final scenes in this episode when they're walking up the stairs. Loads of stuff that they say when they're walking up the stairs that kind of point to Eros and point to kind of Lacan's, oh, they point to this thing called the Ladder of Love which I didn't really get into. um, And I feel like it's kind of touching on that, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. So if anybody knows anything about that, let us know. I
1: just have one question, and that is, if anyone knows where I can get a chip and dip, (laughs) send it in, uh, and I'll I'll, I'll get one.
0: (laughs) I bet you can buy them, and they're really expensive. I'd
1: so um, want one.
0: On Amazon. Anyway, um, I think that's it. I I don't think there's anything else that we need to no nope,
1: just send us you know like I said send us an email and let us know how we're doing what you like what you don't like it'd be great to hear do from you what,
0: do you know what I didn't talk about I didn't talk about Donna's family oh my god no, seriously <laughs> like we
1: have to go now alright I'm, I'm signing off now Fola say your line <laughs> alright
0: um, yes don't forget everyone Tafranas so is better anyway goodbye bye, bye.